This is T.M. Camp, and you're listening to the podcast of my novel, Assam and Darjeeling. Book Four, Coming Home, Chapter Eight. G stared at Juniper, a sick feeling growing in her stomach. Bait. She'd been used as bait. Why? She knew the answer, but she needed to hear it. Juniper clucked his tongue and went to the chair where her brother lay, checking the straps. Well, he has something that I think I might be able to make use of. Does it hurt? G asked, watching as he straightened the tools on the little table. Hmm? He looked up for a moment. What does? Does it hurt to lose it? That all depends on how it is lost, I suppose. His voice had a far-off, dreamy quality to it. It hurt a great deal when I lost mine, he said, his hands drifting over the tools as he prepared to work. But I had my heart broken at the same time, so I'm not sure I could tell you definitively which hurt more. Who broke your heart? G asked. She wanted to get him agitated again, to get him talking, to distract him from her brother. That... Juniper said sharply, is a subject that I have little or no interest in exploring with you at this point. He lifted something, an instrument of metal and chrome. G had no idea what it was for, nor did she want to find out. Why are you doing this? What did we ever do to you? Well, he said with annoyance, I think I've already answered those questions, but you left me alone and blind once upon a time. He smiled, mirthlessly. And I suppose you could say that he left me too, after a fashion. You're not him. I assure you, he answered without even a flinch or a flicker. I actually am. Which, I suppose, means that I betrayed myself. Of course, it also means that I'm not really hurting him. I'm actually helping him in a way. G made a noise of disgust. All I want, he said, is to go home. But what about him? G pleaded. Is he going to die? Juniper sat quietly for a long moment. Finally, he spoke. I honestly have no idea. It's impossible to say. In the past, in one of many possible pasts, one of many possible futures for you both. He stayed, and in time he learned to walk in darkness, taking a new name for himself and finding new companions to travel with along so many different paths. He thought for a moment that he might begin to cry. But they betrayed him, like you and all the others, so he kept walking alone, and in time he found his way back to a time and a place where some of those things could maybe be undone. He set the instrument down and rubbed his fingertips against his eyes. But that's just one possible future, one likely past that he and I share. It might not turn out that way at all. He lowered his hands and blinked his eyes a few times. So, no, he won't die, he said to her. But he won't be able to live either. Not anymore. 
she said nothing. But he will live, Juniper said. I, I will live. If I can be restored, then so can he. In one past, I was lost. In this one, he will be. He turned to look at her. Think on this. If there's two of me, how many of you might be out there as well? In another time and place, maybe you're the one that went sour. In others, maybe we both do. She said, in others, maybe we both escape. He smiled. If that makes you feel better about it, yes. But there's no maybe about it. If we can imagine it, then it can happen. If it can happen, then it has happened. This isn't happening, she said. It didn't happen. It won't happen. Juniper shook his head. It already has. He stepped back and moved the little table out of the way. G realized that as they'd been talking, he'd put away all of his tools. He clucked his tongue, rolling the table back across the room. I thought you were going to take his coin, she said. Juniper pushed the little table against the wall and nodded. No, I'm not. You're not? I can't take it from him. Why not? He came over and knelt down next to her. It's complicated, but let's just say that I have a theory. A theory? I can't take it from him. He has to give it to me. G turned to look at her brother, completely dead to the world. I don't think that's going to happen. Juniper nodded. I know. That's why I want you to take it for me. She stared at him, eyes wide. What? Your brother's coin, he said. I want you to take it from him and give it to me. No way. He nodded. Oh, yes. Juniper shook her head. I won't do it. No, Juniper answered. You will. Otherwise, I'll kill you both. And then I'll find your mom and kill her too. G opened her mouth, but he held up his hand. I won't be quick about it. I'll take my time. It won't be easy like before. And he nodded towards the shelves. I've got plenty of jars to spare. After a moment, Juniper sat back. You ready? She stood up. Yes. He rose and stepped back so she could pass. How do I... She gestured to her brother. Oh, it's easier than you think. Just open his mouth and take it. You can't miss it. Dee turned away from him, her eyes closed. After a moment, she turned back. Okay. She went to her brother's side. His face was pale and she could barely see the rise and fall of his chest. You're sure he'll be okay? He'll be fine, Juniper said. She could hear the tension, the impatience in his voice. He'll be much safer than if you don't. She realized then how alone she was. There was no one coming to rescue them. She was going to have to decide to choose for herself as well as for her brother and her mother. 
She raised her hand, resting it on Assam's chest. A faint heartbeat fluttered under her palm. Don't worry, Juniper said from behind her. I won't tell him it was you. She would have killed him right there with a word, if she could have, if she still had that voice. But she didn't. There was no one coming. No one who could help, not Winterly, not the shaggy man, not Jerry back at the diner. She put her hand to her mouth, gagging and choking. What is it? Juniper asked. What's wrong with you? She held her hands over her mouth, the gagging rising out of her throat. Are you sick? Are you going to be sick? I don't know, she choked out. I'm... Another fit overtook her, and she covered her mouth once more. After a moment, she straightened up. I'm okay now, she said, her voice a little shaky. I'm fine. She looked back at Juniper. His face was etched with concern, but not, she knew, for her. Those pale eyes. She would have given anything to put them out. Anything. She shuddered and turned back to her brother, laying her fingertips against his cheek. He did not stir. She hoped again that he couldn't hear anything, that he wouldn't know what was coming. She put her thumb on his chin and gently opened his mouth. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. After a long moment, she turned back to Juniper. I'm done. Juniper cocked his head to one side. Do you have it? She nodded. It was very small in her palm, but warm. Do you have it? He asked again. Yes, sorry. She'd forgotten that he was blind and couldn't see her nod. Bring it to me. She shook her head, then said, No. Bring it to me. His voice didn't change at all. Now. And you'll let us go? Yes. After a long moment, she walked back to him. Give it to me. Juniper held out his hand, palm up and pale eyes roaming wildly. G held her hand out and, no idea what would happen next, set her coin gently into his palm. His fingers closed around it. Juniper's face glowed. He closed his eyes and clutched the coin to his chest. So long, he said to her, to the air around them. Too long. She stepped back. Juniper raised his hand to his face, his clenched fist opening like a flower. His eyes glittered with golden light, and she saw their milkiness begin to drift away like clouds burning off in the sun. She felt weak, out of breath, a pain at the core of her, somewhere deeper than her chest. She said his name quietly. She did not call him Juniper. She would not call him Assam. He looked at her, his eyes seeing her for the first time in a long, long time. Thank you. I'm sorry, she said to him. Don't be. His eyes, now clear, were so earnest. Oh, don't be. Without you, I never would have found this again. I knew I would have. That's not his coin she said. Juniper's brow crumpled in a familiar, confused gesture. 
What? It's not his. I didn't give you his coin. Then whose? He looked down at the coin in his hand. His face went slack. No, he raised his eyes in time to see her reach up for the rack of shelves and tip it towards him. No! The jars burst, scattering glass and rancid fluid everywhere. The air filled immediately with an acrid smell, sharp and stomach-churningly sweet. And then the voices started. From every corner of the room, a horrible chorus of sighs and chatterings rose up, sweeping around G and crashing down like a wave onto where Juniper had fallen to his knees. The waves swept him up like a ship in a storm and then, in a frenzy, pulled him back under once more. He had time to scream, plenty of time to fill the air with his own howls, to fix his eyes on hers, the hurt and betrayal those familiar eyes G had known all her life before. Finally, he tumbled into the roaring whirlwind of vengeful teeth and bones and meat. And then, soon enough, it was over. All that remained was, as he said, a terrible mess. Assam woke with a start, uncertain of where he was, groggy and confused. He did not recognize the room he was in. The smell was terrible and his eyes burned. There was a low sound from the other side of the room, and he sat up to see his sister sitting on the floor, her hands in her lap, sobbing uncontrollably. There was a vivid scratch of red on her left cheek, just starting to show tiny jewels of blood. All around her, the floor was covered with broken glass and water and bits of things that looked like roadkill. What's wrong? She jumped up so quickly that he thought she was going to run away. Instead, she ran to him and threw her arms around his waist. It was a very long time before he could persuade her to let go and even longer before she finally stopped sobbing. As they were leaving, she stopped for a moment at the door and then ran back down the hallway. Assam followed, watching from the entrance as she picked gingerly through the broken glass. What are you looking for? She stopped, picked something up from the ground and wiped it off on her pants leg. She stared at it for a long moment. What's that? Assam asked her. She stowed whatever it was in her pocket and turned to look at him. Nothing. Are you ready yet? He smiled. Come on. They went back up the hallway and stepped out into the maze, closing the door behind them. You've been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and read by the author, T.M. Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes Store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at tmcamp.com. 
I hope to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. Please direct all inquiries to the attention of the author at www.tmcamp.com. If you are unable to access the Internet, spread a thin layer of peanut butter over a slice of whole wheat bread. Sprinkle it with unsalted sunflower seeds and place it on the sill of any second-story window in your home. When the blue jay arrives, whisper your request to her. She will pass it along. If you live in a home with only one story, move.